Hey, this is Tanner Sherlock. I'm the pastor at Shadow State Chi Alpha. And this is our podcast where our mission is to make disciples who then make disciples. Be sure and subscribe so you can get our content every time we post. And I pray that this message blesses you today. God bless. All right, let's get started. Uh, could I have everybody scoot forward a little bit so I don't have to use a microphone? So if you're in the back, come to the front. The back two rows, at least, come near the front. I know, you thought you were going to get away with sitting in the back, but sorry about it. All right, so first thing we're going to do is uh, I'm going to pass this around, take it, screenshot it. There's also a website on the bottom. It's yougottheholyspirit.com. I'll put this one on the back. Uh, it's a QR code. And it brings you to a website through the Chi Alpha on the Chi Alpha page, it'll be chialpha.com forward slash you got the Holy Spirit, something like that. Um, it asks for your name and your email address, and that's it. And uh, the reason I want you to sign up for it is because if you haven't signed up for it before, um, this is a great tool. It's a tool created by Dick Schroeder. Um, basically, what it does is it sends you an email once per week um, with encouragement and teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, and walking in your giftings, your personal prayer language, um, getting you closer to Christ. It's a great asset. It's a great tool um, at the website. Um, you can also listen to the voice clips of Dick actually teaching those things. Um, but the email is just the written version. And it comes once per week and for an entire year. Um, it's such a great tool that uh, even though I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, gosh, 14 years ago, um, I still go back and I re-sign up for it every once in a while because it encourages me even to this day. There's great teaching in it. Um, and so it's a great tool. encourage you to use it. It's there. It's available. Dick Schroeder was uh, kind of a legend in the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he's since passed, but um, the, his teachings are so awesome that we continue to use them because he's just that close in his relationship with the Holy Spirit. So... Um, as you guys get that done, I'll go ahead and introduce myself. I'm Pastor Tanner. Um, I am the Chi Alpha Director at Shattern State Chi Alpha. Uh, it is in the exact opposite side of Nebraska. Um, if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore, we're like 45 miles south of there. Um, and so uh, I've been doing Chi Alpha for quite a while. And um, the Holy Spirit has kind of been um, something that's been a interesting journey for me because i got saved at a winter conference just like this it was called salt uh, back then but i got saved on night one and then night two i literally never heard of the baptism of the holy spirit i had no clue what it was literally night two one of my friends like dude you should receive this and i was like ah whatever and i walked up and i was thinking you know if this is what god wants for me then i guess cool if it's not then whatever i had no clue what it was I had no reference points. I didn't have any idea what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know what your gifts of the Spirit was, anything like that. And so literally I got saved on Saturday night. We actually, it was, if you think this is bad, in 2010, it was probably the worst snowstorm ever. Uh, we were driving down the interstate and we were having to drive around drifts that were taller than our van at like 10 miles an hour to get to the conference. So we missed Friday. Uh, I got saved on Saturday and then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit Sunday night. And so I don't know what it's like to walk with God without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so my wife, on the other hand, she got saved when she was in middle school. 
And she got baptized in the Holy Spirit her sophomore year of college. And so she went a span of five to ten years without walking um, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that experience. And so being able to dialogue with her, because for me, I can get really frustrated with people who uh, it seems to take a few years to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, even though they've been asking for a while. Well, my wife was one of those people who asked for a while and didn't receive it. And so being able to dialogue with her helped me get a patience and an understanding that all of this is in God's timing and God is sovereign. And so we have to remember that. We can't um, immediately place blame. We can't immediately get frustrated with people. Um, And so walking with your giftings and walking with the Holy Spirit is kind of the same way. Um, You can't get frustrated just because the moment that you want to walk in the gift of healing, um, people aren't healed. You can't get mad at yourself. You can't blame things. Because we just don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing. We don't know what God is doing. And ultimately, God is sovereign enough to make those decisions. And so we can't be the ones trying to force those decisions. And so um, just to kind of uh, introduce you to myself a little bit. um, But I want to say this. You are living in a time when you're in college and you live on campus, especially if you live on campus. But even if you don't, sharing the gospel will be easier now for you than it will be for the rest of your life. Because you're living in close proximity with thousands of people who are like interest and like-minded as you. Even if your major, one major can be you know, business administration and the other one can be coaching, you guys still have common interests because you're still going to the same school. You still have those same interests. But at the same time, you're going to class with people who have the same majors as you. So not only are they in the same school, they're also in the same major as you, And so having the commonality, be able to to associate with people is easier than it'll ever be. And you'll even talk to missionary associates. The second you graduate, a year out, all of a sudden sharing the gospel just becomes a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, you live in an era where everybody Googles their theology. Everybody gets, you know, these, these... radical voices of this is what's wrong with the Bible. This is what's wrong with Jesus. Christians hate this. And so you're battling the, the, the disinformation of this age and the, the information, the ease and access of information. And so it can be difficult to share the gospel right now. And so how you navigate that, and, and I want to encourage you, the best way to navigate that, and in my opinion, really the only way to navigate that is walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. The closer you are with the Holy Spirit, the easier it is to share the gospel. Because ultimately, that's what walking in the Holy Spirit is. Because the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the bulk of the gifts aren't even about you. They're about showing love to those around you. They're about the people around you and how you can bless those around you. And so as we kind of dive into what we're going to talk about today, um, just kind of remember that. That like, hey... Let's get out of our own pride and our own ego just long enough to love those around us. And so walk through or walking through this and going step by step, um, how to get closer to the Holy Spirit and walk in your gifts. Just kind of keep yourself in that place. Okay. All right. Um, so we're going to go. What I'm going to do is now that you've, you've signed up for the emails, uh, we're just literally I'm going to go step by step um, and try to get you to a place where you can get closer to the Holy Spirit but also hopefully teach you a few things so that this can be uh, a moment where going forward you can begin to make lifestyle changes to help you in your walk with the Holy Spirit as well. Um, I do want to just add the, the point of measure that um, the, everything that is in here pertains to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and after. 
And so um, just kind of keep that in mind. So step one, the first thing that you need to do if you want to walk in your Holy Spirit giftings is spend time reading the Bible. So everything that you do with the Holy Spirit, all of your gifts of the Holy Spirit, everything has to be tested against Scripture. And so if you're not in the Word, how can you test what you're getting against the Word if you don't know what the Word says? You have to spend time in your Bible to walk in your giftings appropriately. You have to walk uh, or you have to read your Bible in order to be able to test what you're getting, to be able to test what you're doing, to be able to know that what you're doing is actually within what Scripture says. So you have to be in your Bible. And I know that sounds like a Sunday school answer. It's like, yeah, pastors always just want you to read your Bible more. But like as a pastor, I can tell you, I don't want you to read your Bible more because it like helps me. I want you to read your Bible more because I know how beneficial it is for you. I know how beneficial it is for you in your walk with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm pressing you to read your Bible more for your sake, not for mine. And so just kind of keep that in mind when your pastor tries to get you to read your Bible more. Like it really is for you, you and your benefit, not ours. So step two is very similar to step one. Spend time in prayer. How can you know that the Holy Spirit is telling you to go and prophesy for somebody if you don't even know what the Holy Spirit's voice sounds like because you don't spend time in prayer? You need to know what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. And so I want everybody to close your eyes real quick. Okay. I want you to say the word amazing in your own mind. Like out loud, but inside your head. So not like actually out loud, but out loud inside your head. Say amazing. Say, palm tree. Now say it in your voice, not my voice. Say, palm tree. Now say it in my voice, not your voice. Say, palm tree in your own head. Now picture a palm tree. Okay, you guys can open your eyes. See, it's, it's interesting because you can actually almost hear yourself speaking in your own mind, yeah? So I'm not crazy to say that there's a voice in your head. You just created a voice in your head, right? Okay. Then when you went to go picture the palm tree, most people, and I, I know that they say that there's exceptions, people with uh, photographic memories, but most people, you don't actually even picture, like, it's not like you're standing in front of a palm tree and it's visually real as though you're looking at a TV, it's almost like this impression of a palm tree. It's like you know it's there and you can see it, but it's, it's not like perfect. It's not an exact replica as if you just walked outside and there was a palm tree. Hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit is kind of like that in my mind. And most people that I've, I've talked to uh, share similar experiences with the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's not like you have that voice. Like when you were saying amazing and you said palm tree in your head, it was super crisp, it was super clear. When we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's more like that visual of the palm tree. We get the impression of somebody saying amazing. We get that impression of somebody saying, um, you know, palm tree. And so hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, though, another way I explain it is it's almost like a memory foam mattress. When you put your hand down in it and you pull your hand away really quick, you can tell that there is a hand there, but there's not a perfect hand there. So hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit is, is mostly like that. It's more in the impressions than it is in an audible voice saying, 
Cam, you need to go and walk down here and say this to this person. It's more like an impression of, man, I just, I feel like I need to go tell this guy this. And so it's, it's hard to explain perfectly, um, but that's the best way that I can explain, especially how I hear uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of times, um, you know, when I'm praying for somebody, you know, first, first thing is I open myself up to listen to the Holy Spirit and I say, God, I'm, I'm listening. I try to focus in and then I pray. Is there anybody specifically that you would have me pray for? And I get the impression like, oh man, I, I need to pray for this guy right here. So then I'm like, all right, so God, what do I need to pray for? What, what am I praying for, for this person? And then the gifts will flow out of that a lot of times. So, um, so step two is spending time with the Holy Spirit and spending time with God. And I would actually even add this spending time praying in your personal prayer language helps. Um, Praying in your personal prayer language, praying in tongues does help us in our walk and learning what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And so a super short story. um, I was, so I, I told you that I got saved day one, night two, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. About half hour after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had no education of what the gifts of the Holy Spirit were. I had no clue what the Bible said about it. But I had the impression, just like I was talking about, that I needed to go and pray for my pastor, my campus pastor, when I was a student. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I walked over to my campus pastor. I was like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. I've had the impression that I was supposed to pray for healing for you. And he's like, yeah, actually, I, I could use some healing. And so I immediately laid my hand on above his rib. And I prayed for healing, and he was healed. And after he gets done, after we get done praying, he looks at me, he goes, Tanner, I never even told you uh, what I needed prayer for. You just somehow knew. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess. And he was like, dude, that's crazy. And he was like all excited. But for me, again, I didn't have any context. So I just was like, oh, this is what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when you give your life to Christ. You can hear from God. You know these things. This is what all Christians experience. And so for me, it was almost... Uh, it was exciting, but it also was like, yeah, like you should know this, you know, like this isn't that big of a deal. When I was a pastor for, you know, 10 years, I can say that, that if I had a student walk up to me and knew exactly what I needed to pray for, laid hands on it and it was healed, I'd be pretty dang excited too. But in that moment, I didn't really know the context. And so going back to what I was saying, be in the word, because now I can, I can go back and learn about why um, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me the way that he was speaking to me. And so that is an example of, of healing. And I, I wouldn't say that you should just walk up to people, lay hands on them, and pray for them without having a conversation with them first. Um, again, I was 30 minutes removed from being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit and a day removed from being saved. I think there is etiquette and I think there is um, uh, respect that needs to be given. But in that moment, I didn't know better. Um, and so I would say, don't do it the way I did it. But it's just a story just to kind of motivate you that like literally from the second year baptized in the Holy Spirit, like you can walk in your gifts. And so um, the next thing I'm going to say is uh, I'm going to pause for just a second. Uh, I am recording this. So if this is a little too much information for you, um, I put it I will put it on our podcast within the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm not trying to promote my podcast. My podcast actually is pretty rough because I don't post very often. But uh, it's uh, you can search for Tanner Sherlock or Shattered State Chi Alpha. It'll pop up and I'll put winter conference um, and walking in the powering of the Holy Spirit breakout. So you can find that. You can go back and re-listen to all this information because I know I'm sharing a lot in a short period of time. Um, So for the sake of note taking and stuff like that, feel free to listen 
um, take the notes that are really important, but go back and re-listen to it for the, p the pieces that you might miss because I am kind of passing through some of this stuff pretty quick. Um, all right, so um, step three. So we had step one, read your Bible. Step two, uh, spend time in prayer. And I'm going to keep stressing those two things, and those are important. Like step one, step two, those are the, the number one, number two things you need to be doing. So everything that comes after this, needs to come with the assumption that you are spending time with God and you are reading your Bible. Does that make sense? So step three, learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So take the time to actually go into the Bible, find where it talks about the gifts, read the Bible and read where some of those gifts are manifested. It, because as we read the New Testament, we can see, we can go, and even though it might not even list it as like, oh yeah, Paul used this gift here. As you learn about what the gifts are, you can see the gifts being used throughout a whole New Testament. We see Jesus healing people. We see um, chains falling off in prisons and miracles happen. And, and we see the gifts being used throughout the whole script or throughout, throughout the whole New Testament. And so um, the primary places where uh, the gifts are listed, I have it somewhere. But we're mostly going to be talking about the, the spirit empowerment gifts, which are in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. So 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Pursue love, but strive eagerly for the spiritual gifts, above all that you may prophesy. So within uh, 1 Corinthians 14, it says to strive after the gifts. And so to in order to strive after the gifts, in my mind, you have to learn what the gifts are in the first place. If you don't know what the gifts are, are you really striving after the gifts? And I think it is okay. Um, there are some translations that say, but desire the gifts. I think it's okay and it's, it's healthy to desire a gift. And so if, if you, you desire the gift of healing, I think it's okay and I think it's healthy for us to desire that, that, that gift. But you have to check yourself and check your ego and check your pride that you are desiring the gift and not the results of the gift. Because if what you're, you're, you're craving and what you're striving for is the, the glory and the honor from, from being able to be the person who lays hands on people and that they're healed, you're not desiring the gift. You're desiring the accolades and the accolades belong to God. They're not yours. The Holy Spirit is empowering you to walk in those gifts. But it is healthy. I think it's okay to desire gifts. But again, you have to check your pride and you have to check your ego long enough to know that, hey, I'm not actually desiring that gift. I'm desiring the, the, what comes and the, the fame and the glory or the whatever that comes, the, the recognition of walking in that gift. And so constantly check your pride when you are seeking a gift. But I do think it is healthy. And I do think for, for uh, Paul does tell us that it is okay to seek and to desire a gift. And so um, as you go and you read about what the gifts are in, in 1 Corinthians 12, and if one of them is highlighted to you and, and man, you get that impression like, hey, maybe this is a gift I need to seek. Do some more research about it. Start looking into that gifting a little bit. There are so many resources. And as I shared early on, there's a lot of disinformation, but there's a lot of great information out there as well. And so find somebody who can mentor you in that gift as well. And so it's okay to desire a gift. And so First um, Corinthians 12 and First Corinthians 14 share a lot about the spiritual empowered gifts. And as you know, the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. And so smack dab in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is this chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. And it is oftentimes known as the love chapter. Now you guys are in college. Um, if you're not familiar with this, you will become familiar with it very soon. 
because every wedding that has ever existed in America has quoted almost the entirety of 1 Corinthians 13. And by the time you get like four or five years out of college, you will have gone to so many weddings of your friends who are getting married that you'll probably have this entire chapter memorized. It is quoted in every wedding. And as somebody who performs a lot of weddings, it's gold. It's some great uh, conversation about love. And so we're talking about gifts of the Spirit. We're talking about gifts of the Spirit. And then right in the middle, sandwiched in between, we're going to take an entire chapter and we're just going to talk about love. And just give you an idea of what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It starts with, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Some of you guys are already, the, you're like, man, I've heard this a hundred times. And it ends in, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Paul did this intentionally. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He's talking about walking in spirit and power myth, and he's going to take a little bit of time, and he's going to share specifically about how important it is for us to love. And even in the finishing sentiments of that chapter, it says, the greatest of these three remain faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. He's not saying the greatest of these is prophecy. He's not saying the greatest of these is healing. He's not saying the greatest of these is discernment. He's saying the greatest of these is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so when we go to scripture and we learn about, you know, there's the, the I didn't even quote it, I'm kind of going off a little bit, but when we read about the, um, People who go to heaven who say, Jesus, didn't I do these things in your name? Um, and he says, get away from me. I never knew you. The things that they quote, the things that they did were gifts. They were walking in their gifts. They were casting out demons. They were healing people in Jesus name. They were doing the gifts, but it doesn't list any of the fruit of the spirit. So they don't say, Jesus, I love these people in your name. It doesn't say, God, I had faith in your name. I had hope in your name and I taught hope and I taught faith to all these people. It says, no, I, I healed in your name. I cast out demons in your name. It's talking about the gifts. And so the reason Jesus says, get away from me, I never knew you, is because the fruit of the Spirit was missing. And so it's so important for us to remember that we have to approach the gifts in faith, hope, and love. We have to approach our spiritual empowerment in faith, hope, and love. Because if I'm walking to you to pray for healing for you, and I'm not doing it in love, man, my motives are off. And instead of helping him, I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to frustrate him, and I'm going to push him further away from God than push him closer to God. And so um, the love chapter is, is purposefully written, and it is in my opinion, powerfully written. And so um, I think it's, it's important that we check ourselves and check our motives and stop and say, am I approaching this in love or am I approaching this in because I just want to see this dude healed or I just want this person fixed or I just want this guy to get his act together. I want him to get fixed. I want him to, you know, for whatever reason, but it's not necessarily because I love him. Check ourselves a little bit. And so, uh, all right. So now we're going to go into, I'm going to list out the gifts and I'm going to briefly explain them. And unfortunately, for the sake of time, I can't go into them a whole lot. But afterwards, after we get done, if, if we're going to have a little bit of time for Q&A. So um, just keep that in mind. But the gifts, most of the gifts are listed in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. The ones in Romans 12 are talking about your pastoral gift in your, um, you know, the, the kind of the executive function gifts, um, the gifts listed in first Corinthians 12 are what we kind of refer to as the spirit and power gifts. We're going to focus on 
the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, not the ones in Romans 12. And that doesn't mean that one is more important than the other, but for the sake of walking in your spirit empowerment, we're just going to focus on the ones in 1 Corinthians 12. But I'm going to list all of, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's not comprehensive, but it's the bulk of all of the gifts. And then we're going to focus specifically on, I think it's the nine in 1 Corinthians 12. So all of the gifts are administration, apostleship, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, um, tongues and the interpretation of tongues, teaching, shepherding, wisdom. And so a lot of times the gifts will overlap each other. Um, But again, we're going to focus in 1 Corinthians 12. Those are tongues, prophecy, the interpretation of tongues, words of knowledge, Words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, healing, faith, and miracles. Okay. Um, all of these gifts are to build up and edify. And so when you approach to, to share with somebody or you approach to heal somebody, again, if, if you're approaching it in love, then you're approaching it in a way that is going to build them up and edify them and not tear them down. Um, the truth is extremely important, but every time Jesus brought the truth, he brought the truth in love. And so we can't just throw the truth out there and just slap people over the head with it. We have to bring it in love. And so when we do walk in our spirit-empowered gifts, we need to walk in it with that mindset of this needs to be edifying. This needs to be building up. I'm not just walking in this gifting to tear this person down. And so check it. Make sure that it is, it is to edify and to build up either the church or the individual. And so... Um, I also approach this list and I approach uh, the spirit empowered gifts in a both and kind of perspective. I think that God and I think the Holy Spirit will and can empower us to walk in all of the gifts. So never just disregard a gift and say, I'm not gifted in that. But at the same time, I also think and he does kind of walk in primarily a gift or two within us. And so you might walk in all of the gifts from time to time, but I think the Holy Spirit will kind of push us into a couple gifts and really empower us in that. And we, we can become very effective within that gift. And so even though, you know, um, you know, for myself, there's a couple gifts that I walk in primarily, um, but I have seen all of the gifts manifested at some point um, within my walk with the Holy Spirit. And so again, I, I I kind of approach it as a both and mindset. So I think it's important, again, going back to, to strive after and to desire the gifts and to seek the gifts. Um, but also keep in mind that just because you're mostly empowered, say every time you pray for somebody, they're healed physically. That doesn't mean that God's not going to give you a prophetic word or discernment. And so, um, Breaking down the gifts, uh, the first gift that is listed here or that I'm going to talk about is tongues. Um, we're, we're talking specifically about the public use of tongues, not your personal prayer language. There are different kinds of tongues. Paul goes through and he explains. There's, I, I think, um, yeah, I'm not going to say how many because I feel like it's four, but I might be wrong on that. There's different kinds of tongues. Um, we're specifically talking about the kind of tongues that is uh, manifested within public use. So somebody stands up and they give a message over somebody or over the church in tongues. Um, and this gift needs to, and Paul says specifically, this gift needs to accompany a interpretation of tongues gifting. And so um, the way I've seen it done is both. I've seen somebody stand up or walk to the front 
um, and, and ask permission from the pastor to give a message in tongues. And I've seen somebody else interpret it. And I've also seen the same person interpret it. Um, I have experienced this exactly one single time as the person who was doing um, and for me, it was the interpretation of tongues. Um, the way, best way I can explain it is uh, there was a, a circumstance of events that happened and I was praying and I was listening to the Holy Spirit and I f had the impression that I was supposed to give a word over everybody, but the word never came to my mind. And usually like I, I, every single time that the Holy Spirit has ever given me a word um, corporately over people, um, he has given me the word before I walk up to the mic. And so I know what I'm going to say before I walk up. And at this time it was just like, there was nothing. There was no word. I, I didn't get anything. Somebody got up to go give a, a word prophet or a, a word of tongues over the body. And as soon as they began speaking in tongues over the body, I knew exactly what he was saying. And I walked forward and I gave the interpretation. That is, like I said, I've, I've literally walked in the interpretation of tongues one single solitary time. Um, but now uh, it's something that um, it does happen somewhat regularly at our home church. And so now I listen a lot more attentively when somebody does give a message in tongues over the body because, um, you know, I know that God might be wanting to walk in that gifting with me. But And so for you, you might feel like, you need to go give a message in tongues. And so um, sometimes you'll get that interpretation. Sometimes you won't. Uh, the next gift is prophecy. So prophecy is the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and then deliver it to an individual or a church. Um, these messages can take different forms. They can be exhortation. They can be correction, um, prediction, future events, comfort, inspiration. But the, the premise of prophecy is that it is a divinely inspired message. Um, and, and I'll go a little bit more into this. Um, but uh, one of the warnings of prophecy is because the premise of it is this is a divinely inspired message, um, you can do a lot of damage with it. And so if, if I'm picking on Cam because he's one of my students, but um, if, if I walk up to Cam and I say, Cam, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you are called to Mexico. And he takes that and just runs with it because God said, I told him because he trusted me that God told him he's supposed to go and be a missionary to Mexico. But the Holy Spirit wasn't saying he needed to be a missionary to Mexico. He begins to base his actions over what I said the Holy Spirit said. And then if he goes to Mexico and he's miserable and it sucks and it can become very quickly that he can tell and the Holy Spirit's telling him you were never even supposed to be here, then our relationship is severed as well as he can be mad that God let him go there and all these other things that can happen where in reality all of that could be avoided with if Cam knew to take what I said and pray on it, and take it to his, his small group leader, take it to his campus pastor, take it to the people who know him, and say, hey, I got this word, can you be praying for confirmation with me? And then if he knew that prophetic words need to both be a confirmation of something that the Holy Spirit is already telling you, or get you kind of going on the right path, and then that the Holy Spirit will confirm it in other ways in you, then all of that could have been avoided. And so for me, Whenever I give a prophetic word, I tend to just work on my wording a little bit just to protect that person because I don't know where their relationship with God is. And so I want to protect them from taking what I'm saying and running with it. 100% it's God. So I word it in a way that says, I say like, hey man, I, I believe that we can hear from the Holy Spirit and I'm trying to listen to his voice better. Um, if it's somebody I don't know, if it's somebody I do know, 
I say something like, hey man, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me that, he, that you, you should maybe consider becoming a missionary to Mexico or, uh, hey, I feel like God's talking to me and so uh, I want you to pray on this word and allow the Holy Spirit to either confirm it or push it away, push it out of your mind. And so I encourage them to pray into what I'm saying. I don't just put, present it as though the Holy Spirit is saying you need to go to Mexico as a missionary. Um, because the gift in itself, again, it's a divinely inspired message. And so um, sometimes people can take things, what you're saying, whether you're right or wrong, and they can put a, a stamp of, of Jesus said this and run and, and change their life because you said it. And going back to going to, to share messages and love. And in that moment, you weren't loving that person. You didn't really care. You just were really wanting to walk in your gifting that day. And in pride, you shared a message that had no basis on what the Holy Spirit was saying. So be considering and, and consider the person and where they're at and, and how they will receive the, the prophetic word that you would be sharing. Um, and so, uh, the, the next thing, the next gift is um, word of knowledge. And so the reason why I wanted to share this is because a lot of times prophetic words and healings and, and other things, they're kind of coupled with uh, the words of knowledge. And what a word of knowledge is, um, it's, it's basically the Holy Spirit's downloading information to you that you shouldn't have or couldn't have known. It's, it's a fact. Your hoodie is black. You know, like it's something that can easily immediately be tested. It's either true or it's false. There's no, well, maybe it was true. Maybe it was false. No, it's either is his hoodie black or is it not? Um, and so oftentimes words of knowledge are accompanied with prophetic words and healing in order to sometimes, uh, in my mind, to build up faith that it is the Holy Spirit working. And so I'm going to share a story with you that's going to be both a word of knowledge as well as a prophetic word. So you kind of get an idea of what each one looks like. So one time we had uh, um, some new students who came to Chi Alpha. I had never even seen them before, never met them. I had no clue who they were. And as we were worshiping, um, I felt like I needed to go and I needed to share a word of knowledge with them and then a prophetic word. And I'm praying and I'm like, okay, what is this word? And I felt like the Holy Spirit, I get, got the impression that he used to go to church with his grandma when he was little and his grandma would bring him, his brother and his sister to church. And he gave his life to Christ at a really young age and he walked with God up until he graduated high school. He would go to church every week with his grandma. He graduated high school, he came to college and he walked away from his faith. All of that is a word of knowledge. Either his grandma brought him to church when he was little and he got and he became a Christian when he was little, or he didn't. He either has a brother and sister who used to go to church with him, or he didn't. There's no in-between. And then from there, the prophetic word was that um, that the Holy Spirit was had, had given him promises and, and gifts and uh, and even though he walked away from his faith, the Holy Spirit wasn't saying that those gifts were no longer available to him, those things that, that God had spoken to him, it's not like they were no longer available, but that God was just waiting for him to come back to him. And he was going to fulfill all of those promises that God had given him. Now that is prophetic because that can be interpreted. I could tell that to Cam right now and Cam could be like, okay, cool. That applies to me because it's, it's more of a divinely inspired thing. Whereas a word of knowledge is, uh, Cam, did you go to church when you were little with your grandma? Boom. That word of knowledge is false for him. 
It has to be in the right time, in the right place in order for a word of knowledge to, to be correct. And so I can't just give him that exact same thing and just run it across the board because it's a company with a word of knowledge. And so sometimes that's, uh, is really cool when those word of knowledges are like, man, and he, I remember he looked over to one of our other students and I watched him mouth, how does he know this? And it's so cool because in that moment for me, it's like, boom, yeah, this is the Holy Spirit. I'm running with this, man. I'm excited now. And so word of knowledges are really cool because for the person receiving it, it confirms like God is real. Like this is a real thing. And so word of knowledge is, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a really cool thing. But in and of itself, it can be so pointless because really, like if I'm like, you know, God is telling you your, your shirt is blue. <laughs> cool. This word of knowledge. But if, uh, if, you know, I'm on the phone with him and I'm like, hey, you're wearing a blue shirt with a white tag. And, and I feel like the Holy Spirit saying that you need to become a missionary in Mexico. All of a sudden he's like, how the crap does he know I'm wearing a blue shirt with a white? And so, you know what I'm saying? So the context in the right time in the right place, word of knowledge is are really cool. Um, okay. So uh, kind of moving on. The next one is word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is very similar to word of knowledge, except for um, it specifically pertains to scripture and the application of that scripture to our lives. So whereas a word of knowledge is more around like, you know, factual things like your shirt is blue, whatever. Um, a word of knowledge or word of wisdom is something like, man, um, you know, I, I feel like the, this piece of scripture really is speaking to me for you. And, and I'm going to read this piece of scripture and you need to have more love in your life. And it applies in this way. And so it's the application of scripture to their life. So it's, it's still in the, the same vein as word of knowledge. It's something that can be immediately applied to their life and they can immediately know um, whether it's true or false, but it is specifically pertaining to scripture and the application of that scripture to our lives. Um, the next one is discerning of spirits. I want to say, before I even explain what this gift is, this is not the gift of judgment. When somebody walks in and you're like, man, I don't like that person, um, you are judging them more often than not. Um, the gift of discernment is specifically discerning of good spirits, bad spirits. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it demonic? And so um, just a, a point of vulnerability for you guys. I was abused growing up. And so... Micro expressions, that, that term that's becoming very f uh, familiar, um, I'm good at reading those kinds of micro expressions. I had to know whether my, dad's, whether my dad's footsteps in the morning, how they sounded, I knew what kind of mood he would be in. I wasn't discerning. I just had learned from experience that if my dad's footsteps were a little heavy, he was angry. And so we can learn those things naturally. We can learn that, that certain facial expressions can convey anger, they convey happiness, they can convey different things. And even as I'm standing here, I can begin to manipulate those things and you can start to sense different emotions coming from me because we are so ingrained to read those things. And so judging somebody based off of their physical appearance or the way that they're looking at you or whatever isn't always, sometimes it is, but it isn't always discernment. So we have to be very careful to make sure that we're not just judging somebody, but that we are actually discerning. And then the secondary part of that is as we discern, and if you are discerning, um, you don't just go, man, I don't like that guy. I'm going to leave. Okay, cool. Leave, do that. That's okay. You don't, I'm not saying you need to go and interact with that person, but as you're leaving, pray for them. Because if you are discerning, that means they're struggling with something demonic and that sucks. As somebody who has also experienced that, if you're struggling with something demonic, 
Like you need somebody who is spirit filled to be praying and casting out that demon from you. And so it's okay. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you, you need to avoid this person and leave, avoid that person, leave, do it, discern, but discern in love. Don't discern in protection of yourself, discern in love. And so um, discernment becomes uh, very quickly, uh, everybody thinks that they have the gift of discernment at all times and they use that to, and they abuse that in order to say that just because I don't like somebody, it must mean that they're dealing with something demonic. Sometimes you're just a jerk and you don't like that person because they're a jerk too. And so the gift of discernment, again, is, is specifically discerning between spirits. And so, and I don't say all that to say that you need to just throw it all willy-nilly. And if you feel like you're, you know, judging somebody, you feel like, hey, man, this guy is walking in. There's something off about him. Um, I, I don't like it. Whatever. Cool. You, I, go with it. You might be discerning. But I, I say all that just to say, but take the time to pray as you walk away. Take the time to pray as you do the things you need to do in order to protect yourself, in order to discern, in order to discern correctly. So take a little moment and just pray for them. Pray to cast out the demon. Pray for their salvation. Pray for, for whatever it is that you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying. And, and in today's day, in today's world, and in today's America, I should say specifically, I think the, the gift of discernment is something that we as, as uh, spirit-empowered people should all strive after. And we should all seek to be discerning and be capable of discerning because it is so important um, for us to know whether somebody is coming to us and approaching us in a demonic spirit or whether or not maybe they just have some mental health issues. Discernment is so important. And so strive after discernment and seek discernment, pray for discernment, pray for the gift of discernment. Um, but discern in love. And so I say all that, I stress all that, just discern in love. Do it, discern, discern, but discern in love. Um, because I say that and, and the, the next step is there, there is... There is a lot of false teachers out there. There are a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. And so for me as a pastor, um, you need to be discerning whether the things I'm saying in here are actually of God and not of something demonic. Make sure that even me as a pastor, that I'm not trying to manipulate you and, and, and lead you astray. I think it's important for us to discern. And I hope that you guys discern even initially when you came in here. I hope that's something that you did um, because I would hope. Uh, as somebody who teaches the word and teaches about baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would hope that you had already pre-discerned that you can believe me or listen to me and, and you can hear what I'm saying on my end of things. I hope that you discerned, you know, when you came into this room. Um, the next gift is healing. This one's pretty cut and dry. Um, somebody has a broken leg, you lay hands, you pray for healing, you command healing, however you want to pray for healing, and they are healed from whatever ailment they have. Somebody has a head cold and you lay hands on them and you pray for them and bam, the head cold is gone. This is another cut and dry, you know, they, they sometimes, and, and sometimes they're healed um, in different ways. Sometimes somebody can be healed of a broken leg uh, over the next day. Um, but there is a, a very clear, it's not like, you know, somebody broke their bone and then they got into a cast and you prayed for healing for them. And then three years later, um, they were able to take the, the cast off and their bone was healed. Like that's the natural process of healing. Um, but if all of a sudden you prayed for them, it didn't seem like it was healed. But then by the time they went on on Friday to get a, an x-ray or something, the bone was healed, then there's healing there. Um, and so, uh, I do, this is another one of those where I just want to add, just because somebody wasn't healed doesn't mean that they lacked faith. 
And sometimes it doesn't mean necessarily that you lacked faith. I want to add that because I think sometimes we can be abusive in praying for healing. And if you are gifted in the gift of healing and you pray for somebody and they don't receive healing, you can become almost abusive if you tell them the reason they didn't receive healing was because they didn't believe enough. No, you just really want them to be healed because your ego is taking a hit because they weren't healed. Stop. Approach it in love. Don't be abusive with your gifts. And so when someone is, when you're praying for healing for somebody, remember that God is still sovereign and you don't know what God is or isn't doing. And sometimes God's doing some crazy things that don't make sense to you. And, and I wasn't even going to share this because I didn't even share it in the last breakout, but for some reason I feel like I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm getting the impression I should share this. Uh, my mom passed away seven years ago, I believe. And, uh, man, I struggled with it, but she was a believer. She eventually died from kidney failure. And, um, at one point she broke her back and we prayed for healing and she, her back was healed, but her kidneys and her liver were still giving way. And it didn't make sense to me. And I was mad. Why would God heal her back, but not heal her organs? Well, she passed away. And then shortly after that, my dad become, uh, started coming to church. And as I shared a little bit of my past with you, you probably can put one and two together. Um, my dad eventually started coming to church. And for a period of about two years, uh, I had a dad. And he would have never came to church if my mom hadn't passed away. And then my dad passed away a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And for me, having the hope that my dad is in heaven far outweighs having my mom here on earth. And so sometimes, sometimes God doesn't heal because his plans are bigger than yours. And so I am grateful that my mom wasn't healed because at the same time, part of the reason I wanted her healed was because I wanted her here on earth when in reality, seven years ago, she got to enter glory. She got to be in the greatest thing that has ever existed. She's standing in front of her creator without pain and, and just getting to, to experience what we all strive to, the things that we look forward to. She got to walk in that, but I wanted her here on earth for my sake, when in reality, God had a bigger plan. And so sometimes people are not healed because God knows better. And so how horrible and toxic would it been, have been if we told my mom that she wasn't healed because she didn't have enough faith in Jesus, when in reality, Jesus was working on the next step. So I just say that to say, sometimes people aren't healed because God is sovereign. It's okay. You didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes it's just what God has planned and that's okay and that's beautiful too. Because as the, the pastor was talking about, sometimes God's on plan or step D while we're still stuck on plan or step A and we can't see D from A. Okay, the next one is gift of miracles. Sorry to just kind of transition out of that moment, but <clears throat> um, gift of miracles is, is kind of like healing, but it's more like supernatural. So when Jesus fed the multitudes with bread and fish, um, that's a miracle. Um, things like that that just can't be explained through natural phenomenon. Um, you know, there's so many things. The, the gift of miracles is kind of cool because it's really hard to walk in pride with a gift of miracles because it's so tangibly God doing it. It's so very much not you doing it that it's hard to become prideful with the gift of miracles, but it is still a really cool gift. And, and, and even when, when you share the, the miracles that have happened, the, you've been praying, it's, you can't, it's, it's like, there's just this, 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 their level of, well, yeah, clearly the Holy Spirit was doing something. And so it's real hard to get prideful with the gift of miracles. So I encourage you 
pray that you could receive the gift of miracles because it's cool. Um, one experience that we had, and, and I'm trying to just think of different stories of what the gift of miracles would be. One time we were driving to a winter conference and we had 13 students in a church van. It was loaded up. Those church vans back in the day were so top heavy. They were so dangerous. Um, so many vans had wrecked and, and people had passed away in them. Um, and we were driving, we were on the interstate, and we were going 75 miles an hour. And we were ran off the road and there was snow. It was just nasty. We were ran off the road by a semi. And immediately I began praying that Holy, that was like Holy Spirit, like you got, because I lost control of the van and I felt, and my wife sitting in the back, she can attest like uh, from the second it happened, I knew exactly when I had lost control of the van and we were going to wreck. And then all of a sudden we moved back up onto the interstate and we were fine. That was a miracle. Like there's, I lost, it was, it was gone. I completely lost control of a van that is top heavy, ran off the road into the ditch of something and, and began to turn and I felt it was gone and we just moved right back up on the road. And so that's an example of a miracle that like literally I can't, I can't explain it. I genuinely don't understand how we got from where we were to where we ended up. And in that moment, it was kind of whirlwind. I, I honestly don't even remember the moments between losing control and ending up back on the interstate. It was just so crazy. And our students didn't even really know better. They just continued their conversation like nothing had happened. But for me, I was silent the pretty much the rest of the way to winter conference because I knew what God had just done. Things like that. Those are, those are miracles. <clears throat> the gifts of miracles is kind of that. You pray for that in that moment. You pray for healing. You pray for more, you know, expanding. Uh, another, ex yeah, anyway. Um, and then the last is gift of faith. Um, we all have faith. You wouldn't be a believer in Jesus if you didn't have faith. Um, the gift of faith, faith for me, the, the example that I like to share is, is when we look in Scripture and we look at Stephen. Um, Stephen was the first martyr for Christ. Stephen, it explains over and over and it repeats over and over that Stephen had faith. Stephen was a man of faith. Stephen had faith. And the gift of faith is one of those things where... Um, it's faith that surpasses any rational understanding because in the moment when Stephen was being stoned, it's real hard to have faith that you're in the right place at the right time. When adversity comes, it's real hard to believe you're in the right place at the right time. And so the gift of faith is being able to continue to have that faith and pray for the things you're supposed to pray for and, and believe in God and believe in the Holy Spirit in the midst of that diversity. And so Stephen was literally martyred. He was killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. And so the gift of faith, it far surpasses that. And in that moment when he's being killed, how easy would it be for us to just be like, you know what, actually, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm going to back out. I'm going to walk away. You walk away and then you're like, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus now that it's safe. The gift of faith is having faith in the adversity. It's having faith in that moment when everybody around you is judging you. It's in that moment where you could literally be killed for your beliefs. Having that gift of faith is that next step. And we should all strive after the gift of faith because when adversity hits um, we we know what we believe now while it's easy we're at a conference everybody here believes in jesus everything is easy it's easy to walk in your faith but when you're surrounded by people who absolutely hate jesus and they hate you for hating jesus it becomes a little more difficult to have that same level of faith and so we should strive after that faith and the gift of faith um sometimes the gift of faith is exciting sometimes it's scary and so uh Kind of going back through everything. Get in the Word. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. Learn about the gifts. Seek gifts. Um, and then step four is 
to step out in faith, follow the Holy Spirit's prompting, and use your gifts. Um, you will never walk in your gifts if you don't step out in faith. If you're waiting for a confirmation of 100% assured fact that you are gifted in prophetic and this is God moving, you'll never walk in your gift because there's a level of faith that comes with it. There's a level of, of trusting the Holy Spirit and trusting in God. And so you'll never walk in your gifts if you're waiting for it to be a 100% certain fact. And so there is a level of faith that you need to walk through. And so if you're also going to wait until you're not afraid, then you'll never walk in your gifts. Still to this day, every time I get a prophetic word or I go to pray for healing for somebody, especially if you have a word of knowledge, because a word of knowledge, they can tell this dude's a fraud or this is legit. Um, every time there's that fear of, man, what if I'm wrong? What if this is just me? Is this just me? And so as you walk in your gifting, you learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. I think it's, it's powerful that a lot of times the Holy Spirit trust you and, and, and kind of going back to the three, three talents, you know, he trusts you with this level of things. And as, as you begin to walk in your giftings, he begins to trust you with bigger and bigger uh, words. He begins to, to move in you in different ways, in different ways. And so uh, the entire path of that journey, there's always going to be a level of fear because he's taking you to that next level constantly. And so, um, if you're waiting till you're not afraid, you're not going to walk in your giftings. Um, again, I've been walking in my giftings for 14 years and still to this day, and I'm a pastor and, 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 um, to this day, I still have that little bit of level of fear of man, is this legit? Um, there's that nerves of being legit. So, um, because there's the fear of being wrong and then there's the fear of God and, uh, they are two different things. And so we got to be, get over our fear of being wrong in order to walk in our fear of the Lord. Um, I think there's a healthy fear there. Um, okay. And then, uh, the last thing before we go into a little bit of Q and a, um, is this always, always honor your campus pastor and your campus director, period. If you are trying to walk in your gifts and your campus pastor, um, needs to rebuke you in that. Don't just say, mm, no, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go do my own thing. Take a moment and step back and get in the word, spend time with the Holy Spirit, and you might be right. And your campus pastor might be wrong, but you still need to honor them in that. And it's okay that they're wrong and it's okay that you're right. And you can still love them and you can still honor them and you can still be faithful to what the Holy Spirit is telling you in that moment. And so honor your campus pastor. And so because you're honoring your campus pastor, I want you to, before you ever even walk in a gift at a Chi Alpha function, talk to your campus pastor about your gifts. Because I can tell you from my stance, if the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, you need to go up in front of the body and share a word, I want the respect that, that Cam, again, he's one of my students, I want him to walk up to me and say, hey, Tanner, I feel like I'm supposed to give this word over everybody, rather than him just stand up and give the word and just assume. Honor your campus pastor through your gifts. And I think there is a health there to that. And I stress that not because um, I believe that you're going to be in error, but I, I stress that in because your campus pastor is the, the best person to encourage you in your gifts and to, to help motivate you in your gifts. And so if your campus pastor doesn't even know that you're trying to walk in your gifts, um, then they can't be praying for you. They can't be helping you. They can't be mentoring you. And so honor your campus pastor. And if you do disagree with the decision that they make or you, you know, they do rebuke you, like receive that. 
pray about it. Actually listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't just assume that, that they're wrong. Take that moment and actually try to listen to the Holy Spirit. And then again, get deeper into the Word and get deeper into spending time with God to just make sure that you're actually hearing from the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes you will get it wrong. And getting it wrong is part of the process of learning the gift and learning the, the Holy Spirit's word, uh, voice in your life. And so, again, that's kind of another thing going into the fear, the fear of being wrong. Like, again, wording things. No, you might be wrong. And, and there's actually a good chance. I would actually say if you are never wrong, um, you're probably lying to yourself because, like, you're going to be wrong and you're going to miss. Um, and so that's why it's so important to approach these things in love and humility and recognize that you can be wrong. Because we're still human. The Holy Spirit is sovereign, but you're not the Holy Spirit. You're not God. And so you can be wrong and you will be wrong. And it's okay. And if you do get something wrong, don't just go, oh, well, I'm never going to try to walk in healing again. Or I'm never going to walk in the prophetic again because I clearly am not gifted in that. No. Take time. Spend time with God. Get back in the Word. Um, get more, more in the Word. Spend that time with the Holy Spirit. All right. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah, go for it, man. So, uh, when you were talking about how you did the healing for multiple people and then they went to Jesus and said, I healed all these people, how were they uh, still able to perform the healing when they were walking on their selfish ego path? I guess I'm not 100% understanding what you're saying. So, like, you're saying the gifts are from the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. they're going through you and like, so if you take those gifts and then use them for personal gain and all that, like you were yeah. saying in that part, like how are they still able to perform those things once they take that gift and use it? For like why doesn't God just take the gift away from them? Like, yeah, like why doesn't he just... I mean, I don't, I, that's, that's a, a bigger question than I can even really fully answer because I don't, I don't know... Like God, uh, again, he's sovereign and he, he knows why he does these things. But, um, you know, why doesn't God take away our salvation when we sin again? You know, and so maybe the process is the Holy Spirit still working in that person's life and walking through that. And, and through walking in those gifts, um, there is is forgiveness and there is um, that the, the level of the Holy Spirit understands more and God understands more. And so I can't fully under, I can't answer, uh, I fully can't answer that because I'm not, I'm not God. I don't know why, but I get that. It is frustrating when you see somebody who's walking in their giftings and healing. And then they're at the, behind the scenes, you know, we find out that they're having affairs and they're doing all of these things wrong. But like, um, you know, I, I, you know, at the same time, maybe there's a sovereignty in some of the people who were healed. You know, um, I could tell you going back to my, my story with my, my mom and dad. If somebody who was in sin and was in pride laid hands on my dad and healed him, I'd have been pretty excited that he was healed, whether or not that dude was in sin. And so maybe there's some sovereignty in those specific healings and not necessarily within that person. With it. Any other questions? Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, you said about the interpretation of the facts. How do we know that the interpretation is happening rightly or not? So when you're getting an interpretation, how do you know that it's happening correctly? Um, 
a, a lot of times when, and this is something that's it's kind of unique, that a lot of times what happens is there were multiple people who were actually getting the interpretation at the same time. Um, I've actually seen, and we've, we actually just recently saw this, that somebody gave a word in tongues and like four people came up and interpreted it the exact same way. They had all got that interpretation. Um, usually there's a, a level of, People are all kind of interpreted, not all people, but some people who are, you know, within the crowd and are gifted in that or getting that interpretation. But then at the same time, there's also discernment too. And that's where discernment comes into play. Um, and, and recognizing that this is the Holy Spirit who is saying this and discerning this is God. Um, and so while they're giving that interpretation of tongues, um, if, if you're able to discern and you are a spirit-filled person, you can oftentimes discern, hey, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. And yeah, that applies to me. And so, um, but again, uh, that's another thing where it's like, you know, there's no... No 100% proof, you know, there's there's not always a, a surefire, yeah, this person is 100% correct or this wasn't. Um, but, and so if somebody gives an interpretation, I would encourage you, just because somebody interpreted a tongue, um, I would encourage you still go up and interpret it a second time. If it's the same, like, dude, share your interpretation and allow the Holy Spirit to discern what is of God and what is the Holy Spirit. Um, all right, any other questions? I know it's like super cold in here, but anything else? All right. Um, I'm going to pray for you guys. And then uh, if you have questions and, and you just want to come up and talk to me individually, feel free. Uh, I'll make myself available for a little bit after this uh, so you can do that. All right. Lord, I, I pray for these students. I pray um, for your your power and your um your movement in their lives. I pray that you would help each and every single one of these students to open their heart um, to what you have for them and in, in what you have in store for them even here before we even leave this place. Lord, we pray that you would begin moving in their hearts and their minds and that you would begin giving them the impression and giving them the desires that they need to have in order to walk in their giftings and walk in what you have for them. Lord, we pray for a clarity and Lord, we pray for for your peace to walk with them so that they're not giving into fear um, around them and the fear of, of the what if they're wrong, but instead that they would uh, they, that would be driven to spend more time in the word and spend more time with you and in prayer. Lord, uh, I'm just excited for what you're doing in each and every one of these students' lives. And I just pray for your blessings over that. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys are good to go.